0: Welcome to Politics Done Right from the studios of KPFT 90.1 FM, Houston, your community radio station. We have a great program for you today. Dave Smith says, do a search on here with Hunter Biden voicemail. Why would I want to do that? I have no interest in Hunter Biden. Remember what I spoke to you guys about yesterday, folks? Don't allow the right to change the subject. The subject for this election is numero uno is uh, the supreme, a, a, a rogue supreme court was the second coup attempt as they took away women's right to their own bodies, as they took away environmental access by the EPA, as they took away many other things, and as they plan on giving states the right. To overturn an, an an election by taking that case in North Carolina. So those are the things that we're running on. And also we're running on Republicans refusing to provide the safety net that Americans need, especially in a time when COVID is still active. And we need to prepare for another COVID expansion by stating they are not funding, they're not funding mitigate COVID mitigation. Remember that don't let them bring up Hunter Biden and, 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 and judges and, and, and bond issues. That's crap. You stick to what is bread and butter for Americans and what affect their lives. Do not allow yourself to be convinced to take up another subject. So therefore Dave Smith, Hunter Biden voicemail, no interest. Eric says, it's government spending that caused inflation. So I mean, putting more money into people's hands, right? Is what a lot of these conservatives want to say caused inflation? So and in that, in that height, they're they're calling it on the government because the government gave money to people and people had money to spend. That it's government fault that the prices automatically increased. All right. We already discussed several times, over and over again, that in the case of gasoline, and I'm just using gasoline as one example. We could use it for every example, for food, for everything. Uh, now, the way pricing work with these corporations, right, is they they'll they'll price whatever people are willing to pay for it. They have the choice of leaving a price uh, the same, of not, or dropping the price or raising the price. They have the choice. they know that Americans got some money from the government. Americans got that money from the government. Americans could do one of several things, right? They could save that money or they could spend that money. What we found is a lot of people saved that money that they got from the government for a rainy day, but that was not good enough for corporate America. Corporate America decided That they, because they knew that Americans had money, they were just going to take it away. And how do you take the money away from Americans? In the case of gasoline, remember, there's only one reason to raise prices on gasoline. is so that people would buy less of it if you have a tight supply. But as you know right now, you can't find anywhere where you can't find gasoline. There's gasoline all over the place. All over the place. So the only reason for the gasoline prices to go up is because the corporate guys says, we know that people have extra money so they can spend that extra money on gasoline. How do you get that it's the government that's causing inflation when it is the corporate guys who know That people have more money, so they are going to increase the price of the product because people are still going to buy it. They are not going to stop buying it. And then worse, you want to blame a government when what you watch is you watch all the corporate guys go on to CNBC and start to say, we are making a killing. These price increases are going directly into our pockets as Shareholder buy share share buybacks, also as uh, uh, bonuses for the executives, also as higher dividends. What kind of psychology would have one to believe that it's the government causing these high prices, as opposed as opposed to corporate America who has these high prices just because. They can. And the only way to mitigate that is to create a a windfall profit tax. In other words, we are going to break a certain amount. After a certain point, we're going to take that money back away from you and give it back to the people you stole it from. It's that simple. That's simple. Now, of course, the best answer is. On industries where people don't much have the choice, we should nationalize those industries where it is proven that these corporations will simply increase prices, make your life difficult, prevent you from saving because they can. And as long as we have many people continuing to talk about Somehow the government being responsible for inflation, while you watch rich corporate guys get rich with bonuses, shareholders get rich with stock buybacks and dividends, and the average American citizen, most of which don't own stocks to earn that dividend, suffer and are unable to save. Folks, it's time for us to stop allowing them to dummify us into believing that it's we, the people, who are causing the problem, and understand who's actually causing the problem: corporate America. They cause the supply chain problem. They cause the offshoring problem. They cause the the, the they cause all these problems are not government created problems. They're created by corporate America. All right, the government policy leading to higher prices wipes away. Everyone, savings. period, can't blame your way out of this one, voters will remember in November. I, ho- I wonder, Eric, I gave you the cycle. I gave you the cycle of how I gave you just for gasoline, but I could d- just as well do it for milk, cheese, etc. But I gave you the cycle of how prices increase. These are prices that increase not because of demand, but because they could because they knew there was money in Americans' pocket and they raised the prices as much as they could. That's not government's doing. You, because if you're saying that's government doing that, that's saying government shouldn't put money into the pockets of people who would need it or would do well to save it or whatever. Because we need to leave them in the condition that they're in. Only a certain few deserve to have excess revenue. That's what you're saying. If you're saying the average American citizen can't have some extra cash, that's what you're saying. I find it amusing. Not amusing, I, f- I find it really pathetic, but hey, if you can live with yourself on that, what can I say? I just saw something from my good friend, John Garcia, and I want you guys to notice something, right? I, I believe in free enterprise. I want the pizza shop the grocery store, all these things to be privately owned, if that's the case, right? You can sell, you can charge prices based on competition, etc. I believe in that. I believe that profit margin for that person who works hard. I, I believe in all of that. But I also believe that we can't have a certain sector of this economy That can do what the oil companies are doing and some parts of the food companies are doing. They are simply raising prices because they can and they know that we got some extra cash from the government during the pandemic, etc, etc. So they can because they know people have the money. So instead of these people being able to save the extra or get something better with the extra, these people are just taking their money away. To my good friend, John Garcia, he's from Venezuela. And I hope you guys realize that we are able to have conversations, complete disagreement. Eventually, I think John is going to agree with me someday. But, you know, we can disagree and keep talking about it until we can actually say, well, I see what you're saying. John Garcia says something that is important, very important, because it shows that he listened to what I said. And I want to address what John Garcia said. That's, that's my buddy. This is what he said. All right. Uh, uh, he said that is what uh, he said, energy, food, communications, nationalization, call those strategic goods and services. That's exactly what Chavez did. The results are evident. Let me tell you what happened. Okay. There are two things that happened. And what happened is you have to look at this through non uh, non-American eyes because what America does, right? Uh, Venezuela is a very rich country. They are full of oil and they have a lot of gold and other minerals. So they, there's a rich country, but the people are very poor. And the reason why are the, the, the people in Venezuela who runs everything and brother Garcia, you know, he's a good guy. I know him personally. He's a good guy, but there are certain things that I don't think my brother sees because he is, he was of the class that had, Right. What very few people see is that America has had its tentacles in Venezuela and corporations were taking the lead of America. Let me give an example. If we nationalize certain food industries, right? The ones that are critical, as, as, as John Garcia perfectly says, and the oil sector and these other sectors, what you start to get from the private sector As opposed to saying, let's see how we can reconfigure ourselves into a bifurcated economy, something that we need to do in the United States as well. How can we reconfigure ourselves into a bifurcated economy so that those items that people need that don't need to be profit-based, gasoline and all of that because we all need it, and then we have the rest of the economy that is laissez-faire, right? If I want to sell motorbikes, I sell it. I do what I need to do, and, I, and it's profit-based, competition-based. That would be fine. But that's not what happened in Venezuela. We got the full-on sabotage not only by the United States against Venezuela, but by the, the corporate elite in Venezuela who created shortages, right? Okay, you government, you want to take care of these criticals? good we're going to stop being efficient we're going to stop doing x y and z so they created a shortage just like what we do in america right what did they do in order to try to justify high prices they shut down refineries at all the wrong time it's it's all what the private sector does to maximize their monies there are answers we just don't follow them. I, I saw some comments that uh, let's see, the one that stands out. I think is still Garcia because Garcia says that you know that the, the plutocracy is now controlled by those guys who own the companies, meaning the socialists who own the companies, et cetera, et cetera. And I always ask the same question, right? they for for a, a economic system that is that is. Uh, predicated on ripping people off to succeed, it has to find a negative in any other type of system, whatever you call it, whether you call it socialist, bifurcated, I call mine a bifurcated economy, right? You have to find a reason. But I ask you a simple question. What makes you believe that a, a company run by government executives has any less of waste or efficiencies than one run by corporate, you know, private corporate guys. There's only one difference. There is another layer of taken, right? In other words, shareholders have to get paid, profits have to be made, executives get their, their bonuses. If you run by the government, you may have bonuses, etc., But you don't have this stuff called stocks, which have to pay to dividends and whatever to these shareholders. So even if you are a tad bit more inefficient than the private sector, you're ahead. But you generally are not because, again, the private sector have this semblance of efficiency. But it's not true. If you take a look at every time we have a pri- the private sector takeover private public transportation it costs more medicare run by private corporations called medicare advantage it costs 20% more i mean every time we can do a direct comparison between a service government provides and a service that governments relegates to the private sector to provide, it always turns out that government is less expensive than and more efficient than the private sector. And that goes without saying. If you have to pay a dividend, if you have to pay all these things, that that profit then becomes an expense to the system. It's a lie that we have been indoctrinated with that we have to get out of our system. Every country in Europe that has tried privatizing the rails or the buses or whatever, they ended up paying more, getting less. Because remember, corporations are there to maximize the profit of the shareholders while when run by government. There's one exception to the rule. And let me give you that exception. If I only have part-time services that I need, let me give an example. Let's say in the Northeast where we have to um, clean the roads of ice, right? We're cleaning the roads of ice. It doesn't make sense for us to populate all ourselves with all these trucks and all of that. When you have individuals that can, for the winter season, private companies go ahead and they clean up the streets. Individual private companies clean up the streets. And then... In the summer when we don't need them, they go do something else for somebody else. That is more efficient in the long run for the, the, for the government to use the private sector to do that. But when it comes to things like healthcare, gasoline and all of that, it will always cost more to have the private sector do it. And- Please get one of my several books out there as I see it. Class Warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom for a contribution of $120. It's worth it. How to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbors for a contribution of $120. How to make America Utopia take away the economy from those who rigged it for a pledge of $120. Get any two of those books for $200. Any three of those books for $250. The contributions from my book books, go directly to support our station, KPFT 90.1 FM. Alternatively, folks, please get your basic KPFT only membership for $40, a Pacifica only membership for $25, or choose from one of our many other gifts for your contribution. Just go to kpft.org, choose Politics Done Right for the program, and select an option either for our books or something else to support the station. It is I E S, But don't you forget, listen to us live on air at KPFT 90.1 FM on Thursdays at noon and at Fridays at 11 a.m. all central time. And here's an important interview I recently did on Muslim TV.
1: Welcome back. To discuss the shortage and hike in oil prices in the U.S., let's go to Imam Abdul Malik Mujahid. Over to you, Imam Mujahid.
2: Thank you, Hina. Gas prices are going up and up and up. Here there is a person. He says that uh, there is an oil delight. There is no reason to raise uh, gas prices as, as they are being raised. So with us is Egberto Willis. Welcome to Muslim Network TV.
0: Thank you so kindly for having me. How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing fine. Tell me if there is, uh, you know, why you think there is no problem?
0: Well, let me first say that our entire oil industry is one of the largest frauds on the market. There has never been an oil shortage ever Venezuela is sitting on the largest, on the largest pool of oil. Yes, some of it is sour oil. We have countries like the United States producing more oil than ever. We have Saudi Arabia who simply needs to turn on the spigot or not. We have Russia who, in as much as it finds itself in a war right now in, uh, in Ukraine is still putting out At least as much oil as it did pre pandemic. And that oil is being bought up by China, India, and several other countries. So the fact that we would believe that the price of a barrel of oil should be at the prices that are, that they are today is a fiction. What we have is a cartel, a fraudulent cartel that is, and it's not just America. It is a worldwide oil cartel. That is simply taking the monies away from the middle class and the poor because they can.
2: You call it the largest fraud in the human history. Define that.
0: Well, the reason you have to call it the largest fraud in human history is because we all from the poorest country in the world to the richest country in the world is completely and entirely dependent on petroleum, not only for transportation, for heating, for pharmaceuticals, you name it. We have a petroleum based economy and those who control the petroleum, the distribution of petroleum, some a fossil fuel that wasn't placed there by those who exploit it, that was given to the to the, to the humanity by, the, by eternity, if you will, those people who control it have the opportunity to rip us all off. If that isn't the largest fraud in the world, I really don't know what would, we could call it.
2: So who are the collaborators? Why government are not standing up who do not have gas?
0: you asked the very and most intelligent question sir the reason why you would find that uh, government it doesn't do anything about it is because government is complicit of course if you have the money to pay off uh, to pay off the the different uh, comp- the different uh, politicians especially politicians in the united states uk and some of the other quote unquote first world nations then of course you have you have the money in the bag that is one of the reasons why activists have such a hard time getting change made that is why they they run the risk of burning up the planet without even having to consider repercussions. But again, uh, you're correct. Governments are not doing their job. It is imperative that we, the people, which is something that I preach all the time on my show, it is imperative that we, the people, be educated by those who really know as opposed to those who would try to confuse them.
2: Well, Brother Egberto, when we the people going to wake up? Well, uh,
0: what you're doing right now, sir, is very important. The fact that you are giving me or presenting me on to another audience, if you will, that's you doing a public service. That's your organization doing something necessary to save the planet. That's your organization doing something to make humanity a bit more fair.
2: Well, but if the highest gas prices in recent memory cannot get people on the street or is speaking up while election is coming, is, is gas prices a part of anyone's manifesto or any program by any politicians in America?
0: Yeah, well, you have to make it that way, right? I mean, there are a lot of things in this country that people didn't realize they've been had, right? I mean, if you don't think that you're getting screwed, if you are able to use smoke and mirrors, let's give a perfect example, right? If you ask the average person why our gas prices too high, they'll give you two reasons. If you are a conservative or Republican, it's Biden, Biden's policy, who's not allowing us to drill in America, who's not allowing uh, other oils, oil resources to be used. That would be the problem. If then you ask those that are a bit more intelligent, if you will, they will go ahead and they'll say, well, it's a supply chain problem. But you know what? It's not a supply chain problem. It's not a problem with uh, Biden. It is a systemic problem based on the economic system that we have, where those with price and power controls your first and most important question asked, why if people are seeing five and six and seven dollar gas, aren't they reacting? Because. We have been ineffective. The activists have been ineffective in being able to show who the the culprit is. So the culprit has been able to assign blame to a boogie person. Again, supply chain. No, after all, the supply chain problem wasn't caused by government. It was caused by the private sector. Is it a problem with Biden? No, Biden is just a token in the White House who is unable to convince uh, even his own to do what's necessary it is time to nationalize oil companies and until we do that or threaten to do that nothing will actually get changed
2: i mean people some some countries are getting into bankruptcy like sri lanka they cannot afford to pay for the gas and people are riding on the streets for several days other countries so so money is flowing out of poorer countries and poorer people in our own neighborhoods into the pocket of who?
0: Again, follow the money. You are so right about that, sir. This is one of the largest transfers of wealth and income in, um, in the world's history. Add the numbers up. When, whenever they say, this is the new price, And they need not drill any more. They need not invest in any more resources. That money, we see exactly where it goes. It goes into the pockets of executives as very high bonuses, and it goes into uh, dividends that's paid out. Not too much dividends, though, but mostly, but mostly into capital gains in the form of the companies buying back their stocks as they buy back their stocks it appreciates in value and because we have been fooled into believing that capital gains is different than any other income uh they even get a tax break from having bought back these stocks to have those with long standing ownership of these uh these stocks in these companies gain a whole lot of wealth at a minimal tax cost. It's amazing what they do. They don't even cash in the the, the gains because they can take it out in the form of insurance and loans that will never, ever be paid back.
2: Egberto, are there some politicians who sounds like you? Absolutely.
0: Uh, the politicians that sound like me are the ones that get very little coverage on TV, although they like to try to make AOC a scapegoat or Ilan Omar a scapegoat or Rashida Tlaib a scapegoat. These are politicians in the United States that are, that would echo everything that I'm saying right now. I, I wish they, they made themselves a bit more vocal, but I think because of the way the dynamics of a fraudulent media works in the United States, they try to temper themselves to wait for the opportune times to make note of what they need to speak about. But that said, I think I am, I'm a very patient person. As a patient activist journalist, I am satisfied with informing. But I think what's important is as we bring more people on board, more people will change. Do I have hope? Absolutely.
2: No, but because of this whole gas pricing high and all that, where are the climate change activists? Uh, why they are not riding on this wave? Hey, this is the time for you to switch. There is a very
0: tight balance here. Uh, when you have a population that isn't, and I really do not want to sound condescending, but when you have a population whose government has uneducated them, what happens is uh, climate activists has have to be careful in these in 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 this scenario, in that given that those who are pilfering us. By having these high prices, one of the boogie persons that they use is the climate change activist. Hey, they're not allowing Biden to drill. Hey, they're not allowing all these things. So they have to be careful not to have a lie cauterize into the minds of people that are of low in you know uh, low information status. So it's a tricky point here. You have to uh, figure out how to play your cards. And I think that is one of the reasons you'll see some of the largest activists in the climate domain taking it easy until they find the opportune time to, 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 to come out because we cannot allow the right to car, uh, characterize this price increase as a switch to green energy.
2: Well, thank you so much, Egberto Willis. Egberto Willis is a political activist, author, political blogger, and a radio show host. Thank you so much, sir.
0: Thank you so kindly for covering this subject.
2: Back to you, Hina.
0: America pride itself as a democracy, specifically a representative democracy, a republic. republic. That's what we claim. We claim that all people have equal rights. All people are pretty much the same under the law. All people are the same under what they're judged by. But somehow, when it is time to elect those who represent us on the Supreme Court to ensure that the Constitution is interpreted as it should, somehow, things get a little bit different. I want you to check this out because what we have is an illegitimate court that represents a small percentage of America. Check this out. We'll take it on the other side
3: hard to overstate just how gleefully the Supreme Court took a hatchet to its own small d democratic legitimacy over these past few weeks. From overturning Roe to nerfing the EPA, from gutting our Miranda rights to hacking away at the separation of church and state, the robed reactionaries on this nation's highest court went buck wild, blasting away at decades of precedent without a care in the world for public perception. Having secured that sweet, sweet 6-3 supermajority, the SCOTUS conservative just gave in to about every far-right Fox-induced maximalist impulse imaginable. This shocked some, apparently, at the New York Times and other prominent outlets. It really shouldn't have, though. Why would Alito and Thomas and Kavanaugh and co deign to care about democratic legitimacy when they never even had basic numerical legitimacy in the first place? Let me explain. By now, we're all well acquainted with how justices get on the Supreme Court. In the event a seat opens, the president selects a nominee, said nominee, is presented before the Senate, and then the Senate votes up or down on confirmation, unless said nominee is named Merrick Garland, but I digress. Let's consider for a moment, though, the two senators from each state who voted to confirm or not confirm each current justice on the court, and the percentage of the U.S. population they represented using census data prior to each justice's appointment to the court. Hamilton College professor Philip Klinkner, political scientist, he did just that. And what he found, and he gave us the data, it is rather shocking Senators who backed Clarence Thomas, for example Represented just 48.6% Of the US population Those behind Amy Coney Barrett 46.8% How about the Kavanaugh stands? A measly 43.3% of the American populace Among the six conservative justices Only Chief Justice John Robert Got over 50% Now let's compare those figures to the rest of the court There, three liberals 66.5% for Kagan 73.5% of the population for Sotomayor and 90, 90% for Breyer. To be clear, based on this data, we can say definitively that none of the five conservative justices who voted to overturn Roe were approved by senators representing a majority of the U.S. population. Now, some on the right will say rather dismissively, who cares? That's not how the system is supposed to work. It's supposed to represent states, not the public opinion or the popular vote, which is technically correct and fine in theory. But in reality, as these reactionaries on the court take a blowtorch to our basic rights, roll back decades of popular laws, policies, and precedents, do you really think that the American public weren't going to notice their lack of legitimacy or popular support? I'm sorry to have to state the obvious, but democracy cannot survive if you have a rogue Supreme Court with no public backing.
0: And that is the important thing that we have to get out of this. The Supreme Court is a now clear and present danger to democracy because everything that progressives put out there, any law that progressives put out there, they could find any way to say this law is unconstitutional. Why? Because we are the Supremes. We are the Supreme Court and we decide what is legitimate or not. Folks, this is dangerous. It is time for us to take drastic measures, starting immediately with increasing the size of the court to mitigate the fraud that was effected on the American population. Every day we get another mass killing every day in America. Somebody uses guns, specifically these high powered guns to kill to kill to kill and we as americans act like we are impotent we don't have control they would have you believe that we don't have control i want to i want you to listen to this very smart woman because this woman has something to say how we've made ourselves slaves to a piece of paper written by others well she says it best check this out we'll go ahead and take it On the other side Because what she has to say Is extraordinarily important And we should heed it Check this
3: out
4: Joy, I've, I've worked in conflict zones around the world, uh, and I was thinking as you showed the footage um, from uh, Highland Park, uh, I was thinking, boy, those sounds are like the sounds you hear in war zones. Um, you know, and there are people all over the world who have lived during armed conflicts in daily terror. You know, when does the mortar fall on your house? You know, when does the soldier or the tank come down the street and just kill you? And we are now living in that world too, and we have brought it on our Ourselves, right, I mean, we can't say, "Oops, it's the Russians' fault; they shouldn't have invaded us," or you know, "Oops, it's Al Qaeda." This is us. This is this is 100% us, and it's because we are essentially slaves to a document that was written, you know, more than 230 years ago by a tiny group of white slave-owning men, you know, and and we cannot break out of the you know the bondage that we have imposed on ourselves from feeling like we we have to. Everything by our Supreme Court is decided in reference to this ancient document, which is just not serving us well. It is is causing enormous problems and enormous tragedies at this point.
0: And she hits a nail on the head. Why are we living by a document created by folks 200 something years ago before there were all these technological advances and we treat it like it's, it's gospel, like it is something that we have to thrive for? After all, the document has so many damn errors in it that it used to call guys like me three-fifths of a person. Women couldn't vote because uh, God knows, well, because they were women. People of color couldn't vote because, well, they were people of color. People could be enslaved, well, because people could be enslaved. And those who wrote the document wanted to ensure they stayed in sumamente poderosos, that they remained and maintained their power. So, I mean, that we are slave to this document means that thousands of Americans die every single year because others choose to use that document to profit from. Those gun manufacturers who sell millions of dollars every year, it's on your heads. They accept you as a consequence of making money. And we just sit back as if we don't have power. 80% of Americans want to do something about assault rifles. 80% of Americans want to do something about background checks. We want to get rid of the companies that murder us. Why can't we? Because a document says it's not constitutional. Well, the Constitution is wrong. In this case, the Constitution kills. So therefore, we should make sure that it doesn't do that. I mean, when you are, and for too long, we've we've just accepted that that document says something and we simply live by it no matter what happens. No. We are a social democracy and we should act like it. We should protect each others and prevent a document created by a whole bunch of slave owners from maintaining its attack on our humanity. A few years ago, I started the Trump effect where you showed all sort of Really racist and other types of behavior that could that that got bold and the boldness came from uh, from Dr. Trump, from President Trump, just letting it go. And you know, if the president can say these things, eh, everybody can as well. But there's another kind of effect I think is coming to play here, and I'm going to start calling it the Liz Cheney effect. And the Liz Cheney effect is saying, "I am going to go along with." Democrats, progressive Democrats, if necessary, so that we can beat the ultimate evil in this country, the, those who are trying to take us on the path to fascism. And you know what? Uh, I think uh, Shapiro, the guy who's running for governor in uh, Pennsylvania, he is the person who is going to benefit from it most. So check this out
1: today that a large group of Republican leaders has thrown its support behind the Democratic nominee for governor, that's State Attorney General Josh Shapiro, instead of the Republican nominee, that would be State Senator Doug Mastriano. Nine Republicans has said Mastriano, who has long been a supporter of the disgraced twice impeached ex-president and his false claims of voter fraud in the 2020 election, is an extreme candidate who have put our democracy at stake. Mastriano's ties to the fringe of the extreme wing of the GOP were only highlighted this past weekend when his supporters were seen holding a three percenter's flag during an Independence Day parade. The three percent are a right-wing militia that has been identified by the Southern Poverty Law Center as an extremist group. The group also played a part in the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol. Joining us now, Pennsylvania Attorney General and Democratic nominee for governor, Josh Shapiro. Hello there, um, my friend. It's nice to see you. There's been so much happening and we wanted to get back to the campaign trail and this seemed like a perfect day. You've got nine. Let me put up the names. These are these are real Republicans. Um, Charlie Dent, Jim Greenwood, former State House Speaker Denny O'Brien, former Lieutenant Governor, longtime State Senator Robert, uh, Robert Jubileer, and former State Supreme Court Justice Sandra Schultz Newman. Tell us about how you got all these endorsements and how you got them today.
5: You know, I've been talking to Democrats, Republicans, and independents all across Pennsylvania. And I think it's important to note that these prominent officials represent all corners of our Commonwealth. It includes the first woman Supreme Court justice. It includes, as you said, people who are longtime servants of the Republican Party. It also includes the head of the county commissioners from one of the most conservative counties in Pennsylvania who currently serves. And they've all come together largely for for two reasons. Number one, um, they fear the, the dangerous extremism of my opponent. And number two, they know I'm a guy with a long track record of bringing people together to actually get things done, which is what people want now more than ever. They want folks to get things done, make their lives a little bit better, and they trust I'll be able to do that. Look, my, my opponent has said his number one priority, his words, not mine, is banning all abortions with no exceptions and criminalizing doctors. He's not Talking about, you know, cutting costs or improving education or public safety or growing the economy. And these Republican leaders trust me to do that work and bring people together.
1: It is really outside the mainstream. I mean, a ban on all abortions and a ban on. Does he oppose um, exceptions for rape and incest and life of the mother?
5: He says his words, not mine. He leaves no way for exceptions, not for rape or incest or to protect the life or health of the woman. And, Nicole, this isn't some theoretical exercise or some political witness test. This is now a reality in Pennsylvania because we know with this legislature, they will continue to put bills on the desk of the governor and the next governor to ban all abortions. My opponent will sign it. He said it's his number one priority. I will veto any bill that under minds, a woman's right
0: to choose here in Pennsylvania. So uh, we see that it is obvious that we do, in fact, has an issue that can galvanize not only Democrats, but Republicans alike, because, again, these are human issues, not solely Values of a particular sect issues So uh, The Liz Cheney effect Is in full effect And we expect it to continue Not only in the Shapiro race But in several other races Where Democrats are Getting support from uh, Mainstream Republicans to prevent, to prevent The path The, tr- the, the walk Towards fascism One of our members, Bridge MCP, sent me a video that really in one minute said everything we need to know about American democracy. And what's interesting is right after I read, I saw the video, Michael Moore on 4th of July, his newsletter, Substack newsletter, and I probably should put this in my Substack newsletter, had this piece, this one minute piece by Mick Wallace who is the left group in the European Parliament. He represents uh, South Ireland, I believe, in the European Union. And what he said uh, is such a perfect encapsulation of who we've become and what we have to fight for to move forward. I want you to listen to this, and then we'll take it on the other
6: side. Why are we so quiet about challenging the U.S. when they threaten human rights? Some people have said in here, "Oh, we can't be. Why? why, How dare we talk about the U.S.?" Well, we talk about everybody else. Is the U.S. a functioning democracy? Well, let's have a look at it. It costs two billion to become president. They're 25% of the total prisoners in the world. They spend over 800 billion a year on arms, which is uh, more than most of the world put together. They have been at war for 250 years since their state was formed 275 years ago, but they can't afford universal healthcare. They can't afford the 1.7 trillion debt forgiveness for students. They can't afford a programme for the 17 million children that go to bed hungry. Is this a functioning democracy? What's your idea of a democracy? Bernie Sanders wasn't even allowed to win the nomination for the Democrats. The Americans couldn't spell democracy. Now, a lot of people would get upset. This foreigner is speaking down on
0: America. But, you know, America always talks about the democracy, the false democracy in other people's country. We always talk about the other problems in other countries. But, you know, what we've always failed to do is self-reflect. To see what we need to improve on. And to see how the rest of the world think about us. And to understand why the rest of the world thinks the way too often about us. I mean, too often, we are there telling everybody what they need to do to make them their democracy a real democracy, a democracy for all. But what we see in America is not only a democracy that is failing in its current state, but a democracy that is structured to further fail and transition into a full-blown fascist state. So I think it's a good thing for us to listen to uh, foreign politicians who have the guts to speak out against Americans because, look, he's a left-winger. But there are many moderates around Europe, many moderates around uh, Latin America, many moderates in the Caribbean who would tell you straight out, look, before you preach to us, take care of home. Before you tell us what we need to do to improve our democracy, maybe you should make yourself into a real democratic republic. Because right now what we have is we are on a path to fascism, but it's worse because there is a sect in this country that will not, they will not allow fascism to reign and it doesn't speak well where we're headed. The Supreme Court has effected a reign of terror. So says Ali Velshi.
7: It's obvious that the Supreme Court made history when five conservative justices decided to overturn Roe versus Wade, stripping millions of Americans of a constitutional freedom. But it's actually the first time the Supreme Court has ever taken away a right rather than expanding one. And for those of us who associate positive rights with democracy, the erosion of rights has been underway for years, even without the help of the highest court in the land. From 50,000 feet, it may seem as if rights, especially when you're thinking about gay marriage, have been expanding. But look more closely and you'll realize that personal rights are being steadily chipped away. Voting rights, LGBTQ rights, rights around education, health care, elections, you name it. What the Supreme Court of these United States has done has simply been to extend America's recent streak of erasing rights that are inherent to democracy. Overturning Roe v. Wade and leaving abortion laws up to the states makes America an outlier among developed countries. Take, there are varying limits on how far along the pregnancy is, but for the most part, if you want an abortion in any of these places in green, you can get it. And then there are countries you might be more surprised to find in this group, including Cuba, Argentina, Turkey, Russia, China, and I hope you're sitting down for this one, North Korea. Even in some countries that embrace authoritarianism and have horrible records on human rights and the treatment of women, abortion is still available on request. Now, here's a look at a map where abortion is outright prohibited. It's actually a smaller map than you'd think Egypt, Iraq, Madagascar, the Philippines, Sierra Leone, Senegal, and a few others. The rest of the world varies with laws that. allow abortion under a range of circumstances, including when saving a life or preserving a person's health. This is where America falls, somewhere in between Sweden and Sierra Leone, somewhere between a full ban and fully legal. That's because since the reversal of Roe v. Wade, it's tough to characterize the legal status of abortion in America because it now varies wildly state to state. The right to an abortion, a woman's right to control her own body, no longer has blanket constitutional protection in America, which means that women have rights in China and North Korea that they do not have in the United States of America. This map is actually being generous, giving America too much credit. The U.S. does not deserve to be striped in green and red depicting a nation that just can't make up its mind. The entire country should be painted scarlet red because it does not matter if abortion is allowed in some states. If it's prohibited in even just one, then America is not truly a free country because if the rights of one single American are taken away, none of us enjoy absolute freedom as citizens of this country. Regardless of how you feel about abortion. Americans should be deeply concerned at the ease with which five Supreme Court justices ripped a constitutional right right out from under the American people. This Supreme Court session's reign of terror came to an end this week after a string of decisions that will leave this country battered and bruised for years to come. But this far-right supermajority will be back next session, and the session after that, and the session after that. As long as this lopsided court rules unchecked by the other branches of government, it will continue to tear down rights and rights privileges rather than build them up and it will do so with impunity the sting of the end of Roe v Wade should be enough to make you fight for democracy but in case it wasn't Clarence Thomas's threat to reconsider the right to birth control same-sex relationships and marriages should seal the deal there is no land of the free when freedoms are extinguished
0: we remember that there is no land of the free when freedoms for anyone. Is extinguished and look. We want to take this a little step further. What the Supreme Court did, did, he spoke about chipping away of our rights one at a time, and he said from a top, it seemed like we were getting better. We got uh, the rights for uh, same sex marriage, etc. But at the same time, we got. uh, Or before that, we got personhood, we got McCutcheon, we got all these rules that empowered corporations. And now what are we doing? We're getting all these rules to enforce minority rule. What do we mean by that? Well, uh, these the people who control the Supreme Court, they realize that the policies that they stood for most Americans didn't want. In fact, most Americans, when polled, when not asked about ideology, when polled, they want things that most that, that most people need. They want family leave. They want universal health care, meaning Medicare for all, etc. They want to be able to have a basic income for those people who fall through the cracks, for those corporations who pay such a low wage. So we want Things that are morally good for people. The plutocracy does not. They want to eat it all. They want to take everything. Why do they want it? Because they can. And to enforce that, they have to dilute your vote. They need to ensure that your vote is not supreme. So instead, they make sure that the Supremes, the Supreme Court, can always be there to override. Your will. And it has begun. Folks, if you don't vote in November, if you don't vote for people who are willing to kill the filibuster, if you don't vote for people who are willing to rebalance the Supreme Court so that it isn't a corporate driven Supreme Court but a people based driven Supreme Court. In other words, the rights of the people. We would have only sealed the deal, only made it clear that we Are ready to return, not to hue based slavery, but permanent indentured servitude for most, the ones not chosen. Please get one of my several. Get any two of those books for $200, any three of those books for $250. The contributions for my books go directly to support our station, KPFT 90.1 FM. Alternatively, folks, please get your basic KPFT only membership for $40, a Pacifica only membership for $25, or choose from one of our many other gifts for your contribution. Just go to kpft.org, choose podcast, politics done right for the program and select an option either for our books or something else to support the station. It is definitely worth it. You can listen and/or watch Politics Done Right Mondays through Fridays on Facebook Live at Facebook.com/slash Politics Done Right or on YouTube Live at com slash YouTube. Please do not forget to follow me on Twitter for updates. My Twitter handle is at Egberto Willies, at EGBERTOWILL. IES but don't you forget listen to us live on air at KPFT 90.1 FM on Thursdays at noon and at Fridays at 11 a.m. all central time please remember to keep your community radio station in your minds keep KPFT To you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at EGBERTOWILLIES.
1: That is at EgbertoWillies. Let us engage.